Welcome to another podcast by Every Nation Brisbane. We're so glad you can join us here today. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at enbrisbane.org. Please enjoy the following message. Our reading today comes from Genesis 1. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and bring and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, with every tree with seed in its fruit." You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Thank you, Bianca. Let's all bow our heads in prayer, everyone. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that it was your word that created uh, all of existence, the universe, the planets, the stars, and even the the world that we get to live in today, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and illuminate the same word in our lives, bring us to life, and help us to live this life for your glory through the illumination of your word. We pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. The series that we are in, we're in the second week of our series called How to Make, How to Make, and in this series, we're hoping to uh, look at how to connect the work that we do with God's plan for our world. And so uh, as we're going through this, uh, I wanted to just give you the title of this, uh, our time together, our, our sermon, our message. Uh, the title of my message today is called Make Good Stuff. Make Good Stuff. I'd love for you to just take notes if you can, because I really believe that a lot of what God is going to reveal to you is going to actually help you uh, in your everyday life and understanding why we're created. Let me ask you this question here. When I see this word awe and thinking about being in awe, everybody say awe. Um, when was, <laughs> you feel sorry for me. Oh. <laughs> Have you ever asked, you know, like uh, asked yourself about the last time you were in awe? Uh, I have a behind the picture. Uh, behind the, the, the word awe is a, a picture of one, one perspective of the, uh, the Grand Canyon. And uh, it's little wonder that if you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and look over the 
Grand Canyon, there's nothing but awe that hits your heart, right? When was the last time that you were in awe? When's the last time that you actually stood or uh, were in the precipice of the beautiful nature of creation and you were actually in awe of the wonder that surrounds you? Uh, it might even be a work of art as well. Like, have you ever seen such a beautiful picture of art or a, a beautiful landscape of, of uh, architecture, for instance? Or maybe some of us have heard music, a beautiful piece of music that was created, and it just creates a sense of awe in you. Maybe if you're like me, you watch a film, you watch a movie that's been so intricately designed and directed and well acted and scripted that you're just in awe of the creation that actually reflects the actual creator, right? You see, when you think about awe, you think about part of the proof of creation, because how many of you know that there are people in Brisbane that don't believe that we are created? They don't believe in a God that exists. They just believe that we are the conglomeration of lucky molecules that collided together to make you, you. I want you to turn to the person next to you and look at them and ask them, do you feel like lucky mud today? Because <laughs> that's basically, right? That's basically what the alternate... Uh, train of thought thinks as opposed to creation is that if we are not created and therefore created with a purpose intentionally then we are just lucky molecules that collided together to make you awesome but part of the proof of God's existence is this innate nature in you even if you believe in something that is uh, like a theory of say like evolution or naturalism that would cause you to think that you are not created but you are a lucky melding of molecules there's something about seeing how awesome things are that innately resonates with your spirit right again how many of you like understand like when we go to places like the sunshine coast and you stand on a cliff's edge and you look over noosa and you see the beauty of the waves as they collapse onto the, the, the shore. There's a sense of awe or beauty that captivates your heart. Evolution can't explain that. Because evolution would say that's just the result of, uh, of tides that just splash onto the, the, the sand. Or if you want to go the other way, you want to go where my brother Norm lives and you go down to the Gold Coast, Right? And you go down, like I, I'm jealous of him because he just wakes up in the morning and he just walks like five steps and he's on surface paradise beach, you know. That's, that's, that's norm there. Now everybody wants, everyone's going to come visit your house now. <laughs> and so like every morning, like I, I love following norm on Instagram and Easter. They, they, they um, show their morning walks and it's always got a, like a hot steamy coffee that's in the photo and it's you know they spend their quiet time how many of you know it's easier to to connect with god when you live near a beach right i'm so jealous i'm just confessing that to you now no but uh, the, the reason why i bring that up is because there's this connection that you have to the beauty and the wonder even if you have a contrary train of thought that does not coincide with creation because creation may be a faith in its essentiality, but therefore also atheism and, and evolution is also a faith decision. 
But what, what people fail to recognize is that evolution removes not just the fact that we are created, but it removes the fact that there's a resonance within us that resonates with the beauty of creation, the, the, the sense of awe that we have. But here's the thing. We, we are so surrounded by so much noise in our lives that we don't stop and pause to drink in the awe that is the amazingness of our God and his creation. I'm reminded of Paul David Tripp. He wrote this awesome book called Awe. I highly recommend it too. I'm going to refer to a couple of books here. In his book, Awe, he says, Every awesome thing in creation is designed to point you to the one alone, uh, who alone is worthy of capturing and controlling the awe of your searching and hungry heart. It's wrong not to be in awe of what God created, but it's even more deeply wrong when you can look at created glory without remembering God. You see, atheists cannot explain awe. Atheists cannot explain when somebody is skillful in their work or skillful in their art, it leaves you in awe. You ever been to those concerts? How many of you have been to a concert and you've just been like, wow, that's awesome? Here's the thing, too. We dumb down the word awesome, right? Like, everything's awesome. You get a slice of Domino's pizza and you're like, wow, that was pretty awesome. That's not awesome. So in understanding the, the, the role of awe in our lives, let, let's, let's review a little bit of what we talked about last week. Uh, last week, I talked a little bit about how the Lord God had a purpose within the scope of this awesomeness of this creation. In, in, cha in chapter 2, of, in verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Everybody say, work it and keep it. So you were created to work it and keep it. And we talked about how uh, man was formed, humanity was formed to give God glory through the way that we steward and the way that we cultivate and create. You all remember that? Isaiah 43, 21 says, the people I form, speaking, God speaking, the people I form for myself that they may proclaim my praise. Now, the book I really want to recommend on this topic throughout this whole series is a book by uh, the late Timothy Keller who wrote a book called Every Good Endeavor. And he talks a lot about connecting our work to God's design for our lives. And in the start of the book, he, he starts by talking about this actual passage that we've been uh, looking at. And it says, the author of the book of Genesis describes God's creation of the world as work. In fact, he depicts the magnificent project of cosmos, the invention within a regular work week of seven days. And then he shows us human beings working in paradise. The view of work connected with divine orderly creation and human purpose. Now, this is, this is uh, the difference here, right? Because there are other systems of faith that, that talk about creation and then talk about the work as if it's not created to the beauty of what we get to do and get to experience. And this is what's distinct about it. In the Bible, however... What's distinct about the Bible as opposed to any uh, other re ma major religion in terms of uh, explaining creation is that the Bible, however, creation is not the result of conflict for God has no rivals. How many of you believe that to be true? Right. And some of the other faiths, there's always this battle between good and evil at the at the um, 
sight of creation. Even some of the offshoots of Christianity, they're uh, like cults that have started. There's always this battle between good and evil at the side of creation. And somebody wins. How many of you know there's no rival? There's no equal like we sing with God. He just creates and it's all good what he creates. Indeed, all the powers and the beings of heaven and earth are created by him and dependent on him. Creation then is not the aftermath of a battle, but the plan of a craftsman. God made the world not as a warrior digs a trench, but as an artist makes a masterpiece. Again, turn to somebody, encourage them this morning. You are God's masterpiece. There you go. This is what we call in the Philippines porgy points, diba. So you were created as a masterpiece to create masterpieces. That the very things that God has called you to create in this life is to be masterful at what God has created you to do. To create and cultivate. We talked about that last week. Last week I also mentioned another book by Andy Crouch called Culture Making, of which a lot of Christians fall into this, this spiral, right? This vertigo which says that we firstly condemn culture, then we critique culture, and then we end up consuming culture, and then we end up just copying the culture. Whereas the highlight is if we look at Genesis 1 to 3, it is obvious that we have been called to create and to cultivate. Now let's go back to that passage that Bianca read for us earlier on. And she read um, from verse 24 of chapter 1. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground. And the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. How many of you know, like, when God creates stuff, it's always good? So here's two things that we can gather from this, this portion of Scripture, right? Number one, we can gather that we are seeing God producing making good stuff and he's not just producing but he's producing life producing life is good and what we're going to notice here is that on the sixth day which we will unpack a little bit more on the sixth uh, period of time there he creates humanity as like the apex of his creation and then on the seventh day he rests how many of you know like a lot of people confuse their theology and understanding that God doesn't rest because he needs a break. God's not like, oh, man, this creation stuff's hard. How many of you know he's almighty God? The, the word there that's used for rest is, is actually a word of enjoyment of his creation with humanity, which was created as the last thing he created in the scope of enjoying the rest of the creation that he created. You were created to pause, to drink in the beauty that is the life that God gives you, and to exhale beauty in the way that he's called you to create. So the environment, I'll come back to that thought in just a moment. The environment of which God has called us to walk in is an environment of life and joy. Everybody say life and joy. So let me ask you this question. 
Do you bring joy and life when you walk in the room? How many of you completely understand and have seen in your own life that he, his presence is where there is a bringing of the dead things to life? Think about it. For those of you who are followers of Jesus in this room, think about the moment that God's presence coincided with your life and where he met you on that day or during that period. And then understanding that he breathed. The, the Hebrew word is ruach, which literally sounds like breath. He breathed life into dust and brought to life you and I. And, and as he brings the beauty that is you to life... He says this, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. So you are not only created beautifully as a masterpiece, Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, you are God's workmanship created for good works. But you are also made in his image to reflect his glory. Not just you, but when the Bible talks here about male and female, he created them. What he's saying there is that we together, males and females in this room, we create an environment where we reflect the image of God as we walk together. Men and women. Are you all with me? Do you need me to unpack that one more time? It's not just I am made in the image of God, but I best reflect the image of God if I walk alongside you. If I walk alongside my brothers and sisters across the body of Christ in Brisbane, in Queensland, in Australia, across the world, like the way that we walk together is a depiction of the glory of God. So not only that, but God also delegates his authority in and through you. How many of you see that? We, we are called to rule. There's not just rule in terms of position, but rule in terms of responsibility that God gives you and I. He gives you uh, the authority and the responsibility to take care of the things of this world and to steward them for his glory. Take care of one another, take care of his creation, and reflect his glory as we walk together. Now notice this. He continues. God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So not only are we, are we created in his image. Created to rule. But we are also created to increase his image. Now on an on, on immediate reading, we may look at that and just think, okay. So God's called me to have kids. It's more than that. Yes, God's called you to be fruitful if you are married, to, to have children, and so forth. But like the calling that's here is actually a lot more than that. Because there's that phrase there, right? Fill the earth and subdue it. There's an aspect of how God wants you to make beautiful stuff to reflect his glory wherever you're called. Let me say that again because I want you to catch it. Wherever God has called you to, God has called you to create beautiful stuff to the glory of God. Well, Pastor Nelly, I'm not a creative like you. It, it doesn't matter if you're a creative. You are created by the ultimate creative. 
And there's an aspect of how God wants to utilize you in your specific field of expertise. Because every single one of us in this room has a specific thing that God has created us to do. Maybe a number of things. But God wants you to make beautiful things. He wants you to create beautiful things. How many of you are entrepreneurs or business people? You, ha- you own a business or maybe a side hustle, maybe something small. Can you just raise your hand? I just, just keep your hands up. I want to prophesy over all of you who have your hands up. God wants you to prosper in your business for his glory, but the way he wants you to prosper is that you need to commit not just to running the business, but to make beautiful things in what he's called you to do, to reflect his glory. Let me say that one more time. Those of you who are running businesses, those of you who are running side hustles or startups, or maybe you've been running a business, you've got staff and so forth, God wants you to prosper in the running of your business for his glory. But it's not just financially. He wants you to prosper with ideas. He wants you to prosper in your network of relationships for his glory so you can fill the earth and subdue it for his glory. But the way you're going to need to do that is by walking out in the prosperity, not just of your soul, but of your finances, so you can be a blessing to the world. It's hard to be a blessing when there's nothing there. So I just prophesy God's blessing. I know that sounds, okay, Pastor Nelly, you're sounding a little dodgy there. No, no, I, I believe with all my heart that God is giving you the capacity. He's, he's actually called you to do this. This is, this is not just a good idea. This is a God idea. That God's called you to fill the earth and subdue it. So be excellent at what you do. Don't be second rate. And don't think about just money first. Think about putting beautiful stuff into the planet. I'll, I'll explain it this way one more time. Just so you guys can catch this in the spirit. The ruach of God is the life that was breathed upon Adam. The breath of God was dust. Dirt, according to the Hebrew. He breathes new life into him, and we have the opportunity to inhale his presence. And as we exhale, we're given the, 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 the capacity to breathe out his creation. Not just from your lungs. I'm not just talking about like that, that All Sons and Daughters song. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Yes, sing that song. But I'm also talking about praising him and what you create. Praising him in what you do. All my students here that are in high school or at university, praising him in the way that you study for these exams that are coming up. I know you all are stressed right now, but in Jesus' name, I pray that God will lift that stress from you as you praise him through your study. As you praise him through your pursuit. Understanding that, yeah, sure, exams will come and go, but God is setting you up to prosper, to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth because he wants you to walk in that. And you may see exams, but God sees destiny and purpose for your life. Because he wants you to reflect his image for his glory as you walk together. Church, we need to be excellent in what God's called us to. When I look across this room and see the number of nations that are represented here, and not just nations, but different cultures that we get to impact. There are cultures that each one of you can impact that I won't be able to impact And this is the reason why we have the lights up. Usually at this time in a lot of churches, they turn the lights down so everybody thinks it's only me walking in this. But the lights up because joke's on you, we're all ministers of this gospel. So be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth with his excellence for his glory, not our glory. That's the other danger. 
we make excellent stuff. We receive praise, and then we're like, see, Lord, see, Lord, right? Like, we're praise God, but it really comes back to us. We reflect his image in our excellence so that people can see just how awesome God is through what we create, and we get the opportunity to point towards him. See, Proverbs says that it's, it's, a, it's a person who is excellent in their ways that is brought before great men and women. The doors that open up to you because you're excellent at what you do, you're anointed to do what God has called you to do. That opens up the doors for you to be able to stand before kings and princes and people of influence if you'll just walk in excellence for the most excellent God. So about two people said amen on that, and they kind of whispered, oh, it's all right. You see, after he created us as humans, Everything was good, but then in verse 31, it says here, God saw all that he had made after he created you and I, humanity. And then he said, it was what? Very good. Turn to somebody, encourage them this morning. You are very good. We are multiplying your pokey points this morning. <laughs> and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And the reason why there is a seventh day, the reason why there is a day of rest, the reasoning behind that is so God could enjoy that creation with you. He didn't need a break. Number one, he was creating a pattern for your understanding of how the world should operate. You need to Sabbath. You need to take time to rest and to be with God, to connect to the one who is awesome. Because as you inhale the beauty of who he is, you get to exhale in life. The very beauty that will flow in you will flow through you. And so here's the thing, right? If I can kind of use the stage as somewhat of a spectrum. If on this side we have the presence camp. And then on this side of the stage we have the purpose driven camp. Now, I'm not talking about Rick Warren, okay? Just in case you're wondering, oh, is he critiquing up Rick Warren? Absolutely not. I love that book. Okay, I love Purpose Driven Life. I love Rick Warren. I think he's done a lot for the body of Christ. But what I'm talking about is the camps of presence and purpose. Okay, let me explain. If you are all presence and no purpose, we like to soak in the presence of the Lord. We love to worship. And, you know, these people are really good at finding bargains on candles and stuff. Oh, we just, we just love to worship God. But the moment that they're told, hey, you need to go out and do something with that presence, Let's go out and reach the lost. Let's, oh, no, no, it's okay. I just love just, just four-hour sessions listening to my favorite worship band on Spotify, maybe pulling out the guitar and, and, and singing my worship songs. But don't, don't tell me I need to do anything. Like, just, just listen to me. Let me soak up the presence of God until like a bathtub, you know, until I'm wrinkly like an old man on my fingers. And I just love, we love the presence of God. If you're all purpose... Without presence, you burn out, right? Your Christianity becomes performative. You're, you're looking at who's looking while you're doing what you're doing. And if no one's, doing, and no one's looking at what you're doing, you'll post it on Instagram and filter it so your abs look like abs, right? You'll filter it just right. But how many of you know that the correct relationship between presence and purpose is actually God's presence drives the purpose. 
Let me say that again. God's presence drives the purpose. That if you walk in his presence all the time, it'll actually give you not just the energy. How many of you know in the world we're always talking about, oh, his energy wasn't right? No, it's not, not talking about energy. I'm talking about how the Holy Spirit and his presence shows you that he is more than enough to fulfill his purpose. That we should not move unless his presence tells us to go. That we should be led and filled with his presence. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be filled with his spirit in order to go and do the beautiful things that he's called us to do. And here's the thing. This is, this is kind of like a Monday thing I need you to, to understand. Okay, Sunday, we, we love to be inspired in a setting like this in worship. But I need you to grab a hold of this Monday handle. And the Monday handle is this. Try to start every single day in the presence of God. And ask him for an awareness of the presence of God that does not end in your quote-unquote quiet time. But the whole of your day should be one long divine appointment. You know, we, we pray sometimes, God, give me a divine appointment. Give me multiple divine appointments. Your whole day should be a divine appointment. Like an awareness of how he's calling you to move. And here's the thing. God often tells us to move a lot slower than we normally do. Because we're always run. We live in a world, even though Brisbane is kind of chill, especially compared to like Melbourne and Sydney, it's relatively chill in terms of the pace of life. But God wants you to go at his pace, to slow down and drink in his presence as you go about your day. So that every time you're hanging out with friends, you're not just hanging out with your friends. Some of you may have appointments already booked this week to hang out with certain friends of yours. Here's the thing I want to invite you to. Be aware of his presence as you hang out with those friends. How might God use you to be a blessing to that friend? Maybe he's calling you to prophesy over them. Maybe he's calling you to actually empty your wallet and pay for the meal. Maybe he's calling you to pay for their groceries. Maybe he's calling you to just sit and listen. Remember how to do that? Remember that? How might God be moving in every conversation? For married people in here, the danger that we can often fall into is that we, we're so go, go, go in, in life and work and, and taking care of the kids that we fail to like drink in the presence of, of our spouses and at the same time seeing God at the center of your marriage. Because like Leviticus says, one puts 100 to flight, but two put 10,000 to flight, right? One puts 1,000 to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight, I should say. That there's an exponential power and anointing on you if you'll just slow down and be aware of his presence. Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus tells the disciples, wait upon my presence. Wait in Jerusalem until you are what? Until you are clothed with power from on high. How many of you like waiting? Some of you like lose your Christianity at drive throughs man. It's like... I, uh, what? The chicken's going to be 10 minutes. Oh, uh, maybe not you. Maybe it's just uh, somebody here somewhere. We like everything fast. I mean, some of us would, would become heathens if we had dial-up now. Remember dial-up? 
like that's the devil. You know, you know, like what? We don't like to wait. We like it faster. We don't like to meet people in, in person. So we just swipe left and swipe right. Oh, I'm just saying, I'm just going to leave that there anyway. So understanding that his presence goes with us is so vital. See, there's two um, ideologies about understanding who Christ is or who God is as our creator that kind of coincide with one another. There's a term called deism and theism. Theism basically says, right, it holds that there is one God who is still actively engaged with the universe in some way. How many of you believe that to be true, right? Okay, there's four of us that have accurate theology. That's, that's the right answer, guys. God is still actively involved and engaged in the universe and in your lives in some way. Deism says that God basically like a spinning top, he creates everything and then he moves out of the way and just lets it like entropy just wind up without being actively involved in it. He's indifferent about it. That's deism. And a lot of us act like God's not there anymore. He just spun it into creation and then eventually it's going to slow down and topple. And it can feel that way, especially when you're watching the news and things that are happening right now. But God is still at work. His presence is still at work. But Pastor Nelly, what about what's happening in Palestine and Israel right now? God's still at work. What about the tensions between Taiwan and China? God's still at work. What about Ukraine and Russia? God is still at work. What about the maroons and the blues? God is still <laughs> at work. He's still at work. Fear would captivate your heart and just begin to say, you know, God, God doesn't know what he's up to. And so therefore, I must take control. That's deism. God's just left it to spin, but I don't trust that he's almighty or powerful and all present. He's not here, so therefore I must take control. How many of you feel that temptation for real, for real, every day of your life? You know, God says something about giving your finances, and you're like, yes, Lord, and then Monday rolls around. Then Tuesday, the bills start coming. You're like, oh, I don't know if God knows what he's doing. I'll just, I'll just take that back. If we just trust him. We just trust in how awesome he is. Psalm 8 says that the, the, the universe, the stars and the moon and the, and the skies are his, the workmanship of his fingers. And then it goes on to say, the psalmist says, who am I that you are mindful of me? He's basically saying, if I can trust him to create this universe, then who am I to worry? Who am I to fear? That usually happens when you haven't paused to awe. When you haven't taken the opportunity to put life on pause and just stand in awe of who he is because he makes beautiful things out of dust. And you best believe he's going to make beautiful things out of you. Ecclesiastes 4 says God makes everything beautiful in his time, but we like it on our time. Rush, rush, rush. I'm 16 and I'm still not married, Pastor Nelly. Pray for me. Golly. <laughs> Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in the vast array, and by the seventh day had finished the work he had been doing, and so on the seventh day he rested. Everybody say, rested. Yes. Turn to somebody and tell them, you look good, but you need some rest. 
Turn to somebody else and just tell them, it's not the bags under your eyes. <laughs> then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So these are the two things you need to understand in the rhythm of your life. Take Sabbath rest, right? What's the criteria here? It's rest. Let me just say this really clearly, okay? Netflix is not rest. Surfing the web or scrolling and scrolling, it's not rest. Your mind is still actively working. And you're actually trying to find your identity or find stuff that you should be finding in the presence of God amongst those things. Now, are those things wrong? Not necessarily, depending on what you're looking at, but not necessarily. It's just don't expect from those things the things you should be seeking from God in Sabbath rest. So it's rest and it's holiness. Holiness means to be set apart. I'm setting apart this day to be with my God, to drink in the ruach, the, the awe, the breath of life, and to help me be aware of his presence throughout the other six days. See, again, his work and his workmanship was intense. It was full on, but it was not meaningless. It was meaningful. Just because we're working doesn't mean that the work we're doing is meaningful. Make sure that what we are creating has meaning and is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, I've been in environments, right, where we fall into the trap of thinking that just because we're busy, we equate that to fruitfulness. God doesn't want us to be busy as much as he wants us to be fruitful. If we are busy just for the sake of busyness, and these are the environments we walk into. Sometimes you, you walk in, have you noticed this? Like I talk to certain people, and I've fallen into this trap where I start to feel like, how are you? Oh, man, it's just been a busy week. And then you kind of feel like defensive. Oh, busy, eh? Let's have a busyness challenge. Well, my busyness, man, I've got so many so many wrinkles on my head. I've got more headlines than the news. Well, I've been working like 70 hours every day, and that's not mathematically possible. Well, you know, my, my home life is a mess, and it's because I work so much. Beat that. And we, we, we define ourselves around the work that we do to the point where we idolize the work rather than use our work as worship. And true worship happens when we follow his rhythm. There's parts when the beats go, rest. Rest. You gotta, you gotta understand the flow and the rhythm of what God is doing in your life. If it's all that doesn't sound like work, that sounds like something else. But many of our lives, I'm just going to leave that there. All right, Timothy Keller said, <laughs> without meaningful work, we sense the significance of inner loss and emptiness. People who are cut off from work because of physical or other reasons quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Again, work is not evil. But when it's connected to the source and it's beautiful and it creates joy, you'll find meaning in the work that you do. You'll find energy. You'll find all that you need. 
And this is the reason why many of us need a vacation from the vacation because we haven't attached ourselves to the source of the living life and breath when we go on vacation. You think Disney's going to breathe new life into you? How many of you have had young kids and gone to a Disney park before? Yeah, my, my friends, the Makalalas just came from one. Right? It's, it's the most stressful experience because you're trying to line up and the lines are so long. Dad, I want this. Mama won that, and I'm like, yeah, me too, let's go, but we're going to miss out on the right. Oh, it's so stressful. Don't, we can't expect the life-givingness from these things that the world promises us will bring us life. So here's the, here's the way I'm going to land this. Three questions. Is it useful? Is it good? And is it life-giving? In terms of what you are created, what you are called to make. Ask these questions. Is it useful? Is it good? And is it life-giving? Because these are three questions that you should ask as you create what God has called you to create. Because these are three questions that are asked in Genesis 1 and 2 of what God has called the humans to, to do in this world, to be fruitful and multiply. When you are, you are creating, and did you notice that he gave them seed. He didn't give them like drive-through blessings. He said, this is seed which is to be sown into the soil for good work, uh, for, for food. It's seed for food. You don't eat the seed. And so is it useful? Is it good? And is it life-giving? Let's say that one more time. Is it, is it useful? Is it good? And is it life-giving? Carry those three questions wherever you go. When you are creating. Last week we talked about the tension between consuming and producing. When we live life as consumers, we're not fulfilling the purpose of, of, of production of which God has called us to. Now, we, we're not trying to say that production is where we find the uh, you know, meaning in our lives, but production is what God's designed us to do by his grace that we were created for good works. So as I close, I'm going to pray for us. And here's the questions that are, that are there for, on the screen for you to pray through and discuss with the people that are next to you. And then we're going to worship the one who created us so beautifully that, as his workmanship. Is God's presence driving your purpose? With what are you called to build in your purpose? Is it useful? Is it beautiful or good? And is it life-giving? Let me pray for you. Let's all bow our heads, everybody. If you're here in this room and your desire is to give over the work of your hands, the work of your mind, the work of your mouth, whatever the work is that you're called to do, whether you're in school, whether you're working, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're, uh, whatever it is you're called to do and you want to give it over to God and say, God, make beautiful things or convict me to help me to make beautiful things out of what you're putting into my hands. Just as a sign of surrender to him, can I get you to lift your hands to him? And just say, God, take the work of my life. Take the work of my hands. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here. My hands are up as well. Lord, the very last verse of the very last psalm says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Thank you for the breath of life, the ruach of your spirit that breathes new life into us. Just with your hands lifted, I'm just going to give you a few seconds just to hear from the Holy Spirit as to how God has called you to create beautiful things. He's going to give you a few clues, a few things that he wants to deposit in your spirit.
But the first thing I wanted to say prophetically over your life is that he is pleased with you. Let not your work define who you are, but let your work be worshipped to the one who gave you the capacity to work, the gifting to work, to create beautiful stuff. God, with our hands lifted, we thank you that you take pleasure in us. We surrender our work and our lives to you right now. Have your way in us, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's message brought to you by Every Nation Brisbane. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at ianbrisbane.org. Thank you for listening. God bless.